Today on Gamerhead Radio, find out how an independent internet card game ended up making more money than a big-budget Hollywood video game movie. Gamerhead Radio starts now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another episode of Gamerhead Radio. I am Charlie Technotronicorn Worthley. Candy Mountain, Charlie. I am Jonathan Santiago, a.k.a. Fallon Flynn. Morbius for villains! Come on! And I am Goat, Sporting New Ink Goat. <laughs> yes, new, uh, what is, what is, you have some, uh, some new coloration on your arm there. Yeah, I got more, more ink to, uh, I don't know, stifle the pain of being me. I don't know. <laughs> Oh man, my God, that is bleak. <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, already a chipper episode of Gamerhead Radio. You're welcome. Um, so first of all, once again, uh, thank you to everybody that tuned into our live stream of uh, us playing Exploding Kittens. Uh, we uh, just got done with that, uh, playing that on Twitch a little bit ago. Um, so if, if you if, if you missed that, it should be available on our our saved clips and also on our YouTube channel uh, within probably within a couple days here. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, we'll we'll get more into that later for the feature. Um, but, uh, just in general, John, how's your week been? Uh, super productive-ish. As productive as it could possibly be. I mentioned last week, uh, that I, I had the beginnings of a cold, which blew up into a full-blown, like, had to, like, I had to force myself to lay down for a couple of days and take medication sickness. Yikes. Um, I still had a lot going on and tried to get as much done as I possibly could. Uh, so it was a good week, uh, it, except for the being sick part. Otherwise, it was awesome. Fair enough. Goat, how about you? Uh, decent getting settled back down and, you know, getting back to my game groove and dealing with allergies and, because it's fall and, oh yes, about it. allergies, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sure many of us are very familiar with those. A, and that's where you're going to get this scratchy kind of Tom Waits probably for another <laughs> couple of weeks from me. <laughs> uh, yes, and, uh, and potentially me too, because, um, screw whoever invented ragweed. Um, <laughs> Mr. Ragweed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so before we get into what we've been playing, uh, coming up in this week and releases on August 25th, we have Amnesia Memories coming out on the PS Vita. The Dishonored Definitive Edition is hitting the PS4 and the Xbox One. Uh, the Gears of War Ultimate Edition is also hitting the Xbox One. I Am Bread is making it over to the PS4. Uh, Madden NFL 16 coming out on the PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. Mega Man Legacy Collection hitting Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. Nova-111 or 111 or 111 or however you're supposed to pronounce that is hitting the PS3, the PS4, the PS Vita, and Windows. One Piece Pirate Warriors 3 on PS4, PS3, PS Vita, and Windows. Shadowrun Hong Kong is hitting Windows, Mac, and Linux. Another Shadowrun game. Interesting. Uh, Stein's Semicolon Gate is hitting the PS4 and the PS Vita. And Until Dawn on the PS4. Uh, also Ascendant on the PS4. Calvino Noir on the PS4. Capsule Force on the PS4 and the PC. Party Hard on the PC. And Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) And I have to struggle to pronounce this correctly. Shoot Shimi on the PS4 and the Vita. I keep Hmm. on wanting to say something that's not bad. Um, That's all on the 25th. On the 26th. uh, 25th. 26th? (laughs) (laughs) My God, 26th. Uh, that should be, a, that should be a, uh, so formidable. That was an intentional Star Wars reference, of course. Um, on the twenty sixth, we're getting Octodad, Dad, Dadliest Catch, hitting the Xbox One. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Three Beta is opening up on the Xbox One and PC, and Warhammer Forty K Regicide on the PC. 
On the 27th, Lara Croft Go is hitting iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. Um, John has spoke highly about uh, Hitman Go. I'm excited so, for that, actually, uh, yeah. for, for Lara Croft Go. Based, just based on Hitman Go, yeah. I think it's going to be good. I, I will be checking it out. Um, Layers of Fear on the PC. And Runbow, kind of like Rainbow, but Run, so it's like running rainbows. I don't know. Mm. On the on the on the Wii U, it's getting a game this week. Good job, Wii U. Uh, no, that's all on the twenty seventh. Uh, on the twenty eighth, that Nova Dash one eleven game is hitting the Xbox One. Satellite Rain is hitting Windows, Mac, and Linux. And uh, Azure Striker Gunvolt on the PC. Uh, and Whispering Willows on the Xbox One and iOS. It's an interesting pairing. On the thirtieth. On Sunday, I believe that is, uh, Disney Infinity 3.0 is hitting uh, the Xbox One, the 360, PS4, PS3, Wii U, and the PC. Right on. Uh, And finally, next Monday, on the 31st, the Elder Scrolls Online expansion Imperial City DLC is coming out for, of course, the PC. Um, A whole lot of releases, a whole lot of remakes, a whole lot of ports. Um, Fairly robust, though. Yeah. A lot of definitive, a lot of ultimate, a lot of additions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think uh, the only, I think the, the 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 main major release that's on here that isn't a remake or a port. I mean, it's a sequel to be sure. Uh, in a manner of speaking, is Madden NFL 16. Do you guys get into the? <laughs> so I think John's just answered my question. But uh, do you guys get into the Madden games at all? Um, I I did play them for a while when I was younger. Yeah. Um, you know, and and despite despite what I might bemoan on Facebook, I don't hate football. Um, I just, I used hey. to play football in high school. I'd rather, I'd rather go outside and play football than watch it or play it on a console. That's, that's my beef with it. Or read people commenting on it on social media. What's that? <laughs> or, or you'd rather do, you'd rather go outside and play oh, football yes, also yes. in or, addition or to. Or then have people comment on, on the game that they're not playing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, uh, Michelle's a big football fan as, mm-hmm. as listeners might never remember. And, um, I, I set her up with one of the Maddens. I don't remember which one it was. It was a couple of years ago. Um, just to see if she would find interest in it, uh, she did not. I think she gave it maybe five minutes into it, and she's like, "I don't, I don't get it. I make it go away. Turn it off. This is horrible." Man, and, for uh, people who don't follow that series, yeah. uh, for every new addition that they make to that series, the, the control schemes get to be yeah, a little it's, daunting. It's not friendly for new players no. at all. No, uh, of course, can't speak anything. I mean, maybe, maybe Madden NFL 16 is different, but uh, I'm guessing probably not. Uh, so, Goat, what have you been playing this last week? Uh, that's a great question, and I have an answer. Great answer, <laughs> beautiful answer. I'm, I'm assuming games. You've been playing yes, games. Yes, I've been playing games. Played playing kittens. Uh, kittens. Been digging into Rare Replay, haven't you? I have. All right, here we go. I uh, <clears throat> went to buy Rare Replay, and uh, I didn't have it at the time. Yay! Uh, so I got Forza Five Game of the Year Edition for forty dollars. Nice. Because right. I haven't played Forza Five yet. Because you know. Just got the Xbox One, blah, 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 right, blah. Right. So uh, blasting through it like normal. I should be done with it probably in the next day or so. Like, even with my busy schedule lately, I'm it's not taking me long. Uh, I did pick up Rare Replay. Holy daunting game. <laughs> uh, 30 games, $30, <laughs> and they're not fucking around. Good God. Did you happen to notice um, how many, if any, of the of those games have local co-op? Like the, the Banjo games and things like that. Do those have local co-op? I don't recall. No, I wouldn't pay attention to that. I don't. If if you happen, to, I will for next. If you week. think about it, if you can <laughs> yeah, get back I to will. that, uh, let me know. Yeah. Just um, uh, I did find it interesting though, and I posted it up on social media. Um, they lie to you. Oh. Um, they say you're uh, you, you know you put it in, you pop it on, whatever like that, and it's like gives you the normal screen of oh you need N update. Okay, cool, go. Yeah, what they don't tell you is you need nine updates total. 
It's like one for each, like nine different games? Or? Um, there's eight 360 titles uh-huh. that update and actually load themselves, which works out really good because if you've played them before, your uh, your achievements transfer right over to replay. Oh, wow. That's great. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Those are actual um, emulated 360 titles. <clears throat> yes. So it's just like you're playing on the 360. Yeah. Even, awesome. Even, so, interestingly enough, I learned that um, if you're playing an Xbox 360 game on the Xbox One, you know, with the new backwards compatibility, to the rest of Xbox Live, it reports as you're playing Xbox 360. It emulates it to that point. Wow, strange. It doesn't even show up as being like, Xbox right One. Right down to the, yeah. to the appearance. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so you get eight of those. Mm-hmm. And then there's one rare replay update. Gotcha. And they don't tell you about the other eight. But um, other than that, I mean, I was playing Conquer. Obviously, is where I started and stuff like that. And there's a border on the side you can have on because it's obviously a smaller screen. Oh, because these are old four to three aspect ratio yes. games. Right. And uh, um, turn it off because it, it's bright and the border's like nice HD and bright. Mm-hmm. Contrasted to the old graphics, it, I, it was giving me like motion sickness and all that. But I turned it off okay. and it cleaned it right up. Is it just black then? Yeah, it's okay. just black. Okay. So, I mean, if you're, you're kind of... Just turn it off. It's okay. not worth it. It's yay pretty. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Then, let's see. Uh, I picked up Dr. Mario Miracle Clear on the uh, 3DS. Hmm. Uh, everything I expected. Um, I'll probably talk about more next week because I just did the classic version and it's spot on, but there's two other modes in there okay. that I haven't really toyed with. Um, and then... Uh, with the new phone, getting back into mobile gaming, and I've been playing a ridiculous amount of Family Guy, the quest for stuff. <laughs> oh, you got sucked into that, huh? Yeah. All I, right. I heard All right. there's pity in Charlie's voice. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's very similar, just in 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 broad strokes, to that uh, My Little Pony world building game that yeah. uh, that I got sucked into before. Lots of like energy and paywall and type stuff. Yeah. Paywalls is the, is the biggest complaint with that game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so is it, do you find it, so have you hit the point where, where it's more of a chore than it is a game? Like, not, like, do you, have you played these kinds of games before? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Cause it, what, what seems to be is that, that, uh, a lot of players that I've talked to with these kinds of games, like Simpsons tapped out Farmville, you know, going back to like where these kind of things originated is that some people, you know, they, they start playing it as it's a game, but it's at, at, then at some point it transitions into being like a chore, like a job, like a responsibility. Like I put so much time into this game. I don't want to just give up, but I have to keep on coming back here and collecting resources and like doing mm-hmm. things and checking up on it. And it becomes like this, like point of contention, just like, Oh, I hate, I hate that I play this game, but I can't stop kind of a thing, which is, the kind of the thing I managed to get myself out of with that with that stupid pony game, but um, so so I assume since you've you've been playing it for a week that you haven't hit that point yet. I'll never hit that point. I don't have that personality flaw. <laughs> so you'll just drop it. No, I, once I'll be like, fuck this, and I'll move on. Okay, I don't, he's, done, <laughs> he's done with it. Yeah, I play it until I don't want to play in any game. I play it until I don't want to play it anymore, and I move on. No, there's no 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 no. Well, <laughs> I, I I pray for you that you're correct. <laughs> Uh, anything else? No, that's about it for right now. All right. Um, I'll, I'll just jump in real quick next because my list is going to be very short. Um, I started playing the um, uh, the the newest episode of uh, Tales of the Borderlands. Mm. Um, a little bit less oomph on this one than the, than the previous ones, um, mm. but that seems to be the consensus. Um, but I haven't finished it yet, so I'll save judgment until I do. What they didn't tell you? Huh? Is they swap teams on you? That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, episode, episode six of Game of Thrones is going to blow your mind. Bring, yeah, br- yeah, bring the A squad over to Game of Thrones. <laughs> to, to, end, yeah. to end it on a high note. Yeah. Uh, I bet it actually be just fine with that. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll tell you what I did not play this week, despite wanting to. Um, I did not go back into Ori to finish up some of the achievements and some of the completion goals that I wanted to because... Uh-oh. Um, and apparently in my research on this, this apparently was uh, is, is, uh, is an old... 
game mechanic reborn. Like apparently this used to be the case in these old Metroidvania style games. Maybe you might be able to confirm this. Um, but once you've completed the game, you're locked out of it. You can't go back in. There's no going back to like, oh, before shit. It, like, like in the game, it tells you, it gives you that point of no return warning. It says like, you know, once we go into this like last dungeon, you know, essentially, um, you know, we might not, we, we not, we might not ever come out, you know? And, uh, so it's the, it's the game telling you, you know, if you better have done everything you want to do before you go in here, but every other game I've ever played that's given me that message You've been able to go back to your save right before yeah, that point. Yeah, they just don't let you do that section. Like, like you, you can't can... leave the dungeon once you go into it. Oh. Um, but no, with this one, like, the game is just says completed. You can't interact with it at all. Oh, no. And the thing that really messes me up is that um, apparently as a result of... Um, well, I'm assuming as a result of the problems that this game had with saves before, mm-hmm. um, they actually added into the game the um the save backup system similar to what what's in arkham knight um but that doesn't seem to work either and so mm. i can't even like go back and like restore an old save like just to go back in because there were several things on there where i had like 98 99 completion like there was a couple corners of the map that i had like there's a there's an achievement for exploring the entire map and there were a couple corners i wasn't able to uh to look at just because um uh, I didn't have the ability that I needed to. And then once I got the ability, it was like all the way on the other side of the map. And I just figured I'll just come back and do it later. Uh, nope, apparently not. And go, you're, you're, you're apparently mm-hmm. saying that this is a thing. Yep. That's a lot of things where like they hit that last point and like, well, and then all nest titles and stuff like that. If you finish it, you've seen credits. Uh, it was, you know, it's always been like start new game was your Ooh, only option. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the case here. Yep. There's, there's, I'm glad you told me before I pick up Ori. Yes. I didn't intend to get it at some point, which, which, uh, then is my pro tip of the week. Uh, when that game tells you that, um, that you hit the point of no return, it means it in the most literal way possible. If so. any game tells you something like that, don't take it lightly. It probably means business. <laughs> Well, uh, this is the first one that I've encountered that, that meant it to this point. Yeah. But, irrevocable. but check, but check. At least you at that check. point, you're like, that's, nah, hold on, let me yeah. check a couple things out here to make sure how Definitely. how serious you are about this warning. <laughs> Definitely after this experience, I have learned my lesson and uh, find out exactly what that means going forward. Uh, so, of course, then that's my pro tip. Uh, just uh, uh, take, do not take that message lightly. And, um, yeah. Uh, so that, that's it for me this week. Uh, just a short list there. So, John, what have you played? Um, as seems to be the trend lately, um, a lot in small bursts. Mm. Um, I, I don't. I haven't lately had a lot of time to just sit down and play the hell out of something sitting still. So, I've been playing a shitload of different things. Um, kind of felt a little bit of a burnout from playing the things I had been in playing, which is uh, always a problem with me. I'll start ten things, play ten things, burn out on ten things, and then start ten more new things. Um, Always go back to the old things eventually and finish them, but it just takes me a second. So um, I played... I want to talk about a game that I played. Um, I, I bought purely on screenshots. I looked at it and went, this looks really pretty, and I want to buy this. Um, it is a game on Steam currently. That is the only platform uh, that it is available on. It was a Kickstarter game uh, called Celestian Tales Old North. It's a... Um, Kind of a, a hybridization of JRPG style um, RPGs and um, a, a little bit more of an American flavor in them, uh, which is ironic because it was not made by an American team. Uh, this was a game that was kickstarted, released uh, the 11th of this month, so it's a brand new game. It's barely been out. It uh, it has, if I recall correctly, six characters. At the beginning, you get to choose from one of the six characters, and there's a sort of a prologue for each character. 
that shows you what happened just before they get sent off to become knights. And okay. those six characters comprise your party. And then you kind of pick the one you want to primarily play as based on a series of attributes and their little story. And um, it's sort of six perspectives. It's it's just got a really cool like hand-drawn art style and uh, good music and a really, really well-intended game. I can't tell you how long it is because I, I don't know yet. I've, I've probably played uh, maybe two hours of it. I'm really enjoying it. Everything about it is really, really kind of charming and fun for a JRPG-style game. If you like that kind of game, I really recommend you pick this up. I think I got it on a Steam sale in its second week of release. It was on sale on Steam. I think I only paid like $11 for it. Full price, if I remember correctly, was $15. It was $14.99. Easily worth the price of admission just based on what I've played in two hours. I really, really liked it a lot. Um, charming little game. What was the name of the game again? The game is called Celestian Tales Old North. Um, this was a project that was kickstarted successfully by 1,311 backers for a total of 60,630 New Zealand dollars. Um, so really small development team. I, I looked at the credits for it. It's not a huge game, but it is a game that I believe deserves attention and money based on what I've played. Maybe my opinion will change partway through, but I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. Just, uh, uh answering your, your, uh, comment about how, how long you weren't sure how long the game is. According to an average of the five people that have played it and have registered on a, how long to beat You're looking at about nine hours. You know what? For the 15 bucks, I'll take it, you know, especially for the art style that comes with it. And as, as, well fleshed out as it seems to be, according to the development team, there's a lot of moral choices involved during the course of the game, too, which has my attention. So um, I'll keep you guys posted about that one as I play through it, because I intend to, to get through that one pretty soon. Um, I did uh, I did play a little bit more of, uh, you know, uh, um, Fallout, you know, the little Fallout shelter game. Uh, it's good, getting a little repetitive, um, not very deep, and I don't understand people complaining that they can't seem to keep their people happy, because my... Like, Jolly Happy Meter sits at about 95% on average. I don't know if I'm just extra good in my folks or not, but um, I fancy myself a, a good overseer, you know. Um, Excellent. Fun. I, I'm basically just playing that, you know, when I have five minutes to myself, ten minutes to myself. Um, I did pick up, also picked up on uh, Steam, uh, Yatagarasu, which is a fighting game that Brian Lester talked about a few weeks when he was back on. This is an independently made fighting game. Some of the uh, developers, uh, some original SNK developers, um, who a lot of people you know remember SNK for uh, you know King of Fighters, and um, all of a sudden my brain is not working properly. Um, it'll come to me. But um, they did those games. They're doing this game Yatagarasu, which is independently uh, created. Really fun little game. Very very old school. You know, if you're not into like old school fighting game pixel style art, a la Street Fighter Two, maybe won't be for you. It's nicer than that original style uh the animations better but uh fun game you know um a much better game underneath the the surface of the the visual styling so i recommend picking it up and i also picked up uh, or rather played more of skull girls which i mentioned last week on the show um i is really in love with the aesthetic of that game and the goofy quirky odd storytelling for a fighting game really enjoying that a lot it's silly and fun and totally tongue-in-cheek and i love the aesthetic um, I, Megan and I finished the first Mass Effect. I have played through it. Megan has okay. not. Um, and it has taken us forever to get through the first Mass Effect. We've been playing the first Mass Effect for like a year and a half. Uh, finally wow. finished it. Finally powered through the last like two hours of it. She really loved it. I kept bemoaning how boring it is because I've played the other two and I know that they're much better games. 
We started the second Mass Effect and are about four and a half hours into it immediately. And like, so when you say you play it together, you're playing and she's watching? Or is she, con- is she she's contributing to the decisions? She's choices. Okay. I mean, like, like, the choices that I knew were frivolous and didn't really mean anything, I just powered through and picked whatever I wanted and okay. she was fine with. But I would stop for the more important things and ask her... You know how she wanted to handle her that sort of encounter with Rex when at the end of the first game when he did find out that uh, there may be a cure for the genophage, right? Um, or who she sends. You know, do you send Ashley or do you send Caden? Um, I let her make those choices, and I'm letting her make similarly difficult choices in Mass Effect Two. I kept complaining to her about how how much better the second game is. Like immediately, she within ten minutes was just like, "Oh my god, this is." <laughs> like like light years better than the first one. Yeah. Every facet of this feels lived in, and it looks amazing, and it looks the combat's more engaging. Mm-hmm. And, um, it took me a year and a half to get through the first one because I kept telling her how boring it was in contrast to the other ones, and she had no basis for comparison. And sure. now the difference is it's not going to take us a year and a half to get through the second one because she constantly wants me to put it into play. She's like, let's play Mass Effect, let's play Mass Effect. Awesome. <laughs> um, and so we're working on that, and then uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. My God. I uh, played a bunch of stuff on my 3DS, played Street Fighter 4 uh, on my 3DS just for shits and giggles. Uh, still playing that game that I I checked out from the library. Um, what was it? Uh, Tales of the Abyss on 3DS. Mm-hmm. It's like fucking 40 oh, hours long. Is this one long. of the Tales games? Is it in that series? No, it's a oh. completely separate game. Okay. Um, it's, it's an Amco title. It's a re-release of a PS2 game that they did back in okay. God knows when. Um, it's a fun title. It's 40 hours. I don't anticipate I'll have much to say about it until I'm close to the fin- the end of it, if I finish it. And then I also played... Um, Jesus, what else did I play? Oh, I'm also playing the expansion for uh, Saints Row 4, Gat Out of Hell, which is <laughs> just as fucking ridiculous as the rest of Saints Row. It's fun, it's entertaining, and it's exactly what it should be. Just slapsticky, silly shit. That, uh, I think that's everything I played this week. God help me. Okay. Uh, one quick uh, follow-up note to what I was saying to you about Ori. Um, I, I forgot uh, until John was going through his games that um, that uh, the studio, Half Moon, I think they're called, um, announced that they are coming out with a definitive edition of Ori where they have some game tweaks and some more, uh, like they're expanding the map a bit and just some more just like little things to do and explore. Um, I am hoping slash presuming that, uh, that this will be an expansion, that this content will be available in an expansion for either cheap or free to existing Ori owners. Um, but um, just in case, um, I, I, I still very, very, very highly recommend Ori in the Blind Forest. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite games I've played this year. But nonetheless, if you haven't picked it up and if you're interested, just maybe hold off until that definitive edition comes out just in case. How does that work? How does uh, what, which well, part You can't exactly? do a definitive edition. You're already on the top platform. <laughs> uh, don't they know how this works? You have to put it out on 360 to make it a definitive version. Well... I uh, apparently they missed that uh, that memo, so I don't know. And they also missed how to save too. So there is that, and so now that you know we've been doing this last week in video gaming, let's find out what the industry has been doing this last week in video gaming. Coming in at a painful, painful number five, the new Hitman movie comes up short with just three million dollars. In total ticket sales on Friday. That's such a small number. I read this and I heard the Price is Right fail horns in my head. (laughs) Surprisingly, those horns pop up in my head all the time. And for no reason. I don't know if I should be worried about that. So uh, not only is the new video game movie Hitman, Agent 47, being blasted by critics, which it is getting almost as bad, if not worse, reviews than Pixels. 
but it's also not posting the strong box office performance that Fox would have wanted. So box, no- box office numbers for Friday are in, and Agent 47 comes in fourth with an estimated $3 million. What Hollywood Reporter. What was it up against? Do you have that in front of you? What's that? What, what um, you know what? We'll, we'll come up to that in just a second. But the okay. Hollywood Reporter notes that this is below projections. The movie is expected to make around $8 million for the entire weekend and come in fourth place overall for the period. So Friday's winners and what this movie was up against uh, were straight out of Compton, which posted $8 million on its second Friday. The other top performers were uh, for Friday were Sinister, uh, Sinister Two rather at four point seven million dollars, and Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation at three point four million. Agent Forty Seven did beat out one other newcomer, uh, however, as the Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart movie American Ultra made just two point one million dollars on Friday. So, Agent Forty Seven is on track to become one of the worst reviewed video game movies of all time. So. There is a um, if you go to you know Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes usually being the place that everybody likes to go to to see just how fucking terrible a movie is. It is not doing well at all. Charlie's shaking his head. What do you got over there, Charlie? I'm currently looking at Metacritic. So as of time of recording uh, here on August 23rd at 9:11 p.m. Um, so the worst rated movie that's come out recently uh, with an average score of 27 is Fantastic Four. Uh, tied with Pixels, also at a 27. Uh, Hitman Agent 47 is at a 29. Yeesh. And, uh, yeah. Oddly enough, if you can if you can picture this in your mind, the, the fellow that's playing Agent 47, and this is uh, uh, Rupert Friend from the show Homeland, mm-hmm. um, and, and Zachary Quinto from Star Trek mm-hmm. and Friends and uh, American Horror Story and, you know... Friends. Uh, you don't mean Friends. You mean Heroes. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Heroes. Why did I say Friends? <laughs> I don't know. Did you, have, a com- did you have, have him confused with... Uh, um, no, I did not have him confused with David Schwimmer. Not okay. <laughs> at all. I don't know why, why my brain said Friends. Uh, anyways, I don't think he was though, eligible to act when Friends was on. Those two were in the movie together, but originally the role of Agent 47 in this movie was supposed to be played by Paul Walker from The Fast and Furious, but oh. he died, and the role went to this gentleman instead, Rupert Friend. I could not picture Paul Walker playing Agent 47, of all things. Huh. Um, um, just in case you've seen... Just, 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 just to connect the dots for anybody who's watched Homeland but has is not familiar at all with this Agent Forty Seven movie, um, the actor in question is um, the other uh, one of the other um, CIA agents. The guy that um, um, that uh, that uh, the main Carrie, I think her name is, is uh, is uh, interacts with a lot on the show. I'm I'm actually a big fan of Homeland, but um, yeah, and and this this in particular is really depressing to me because this looked really good in the previews. They must have really doctored those previews up. I remembered talking about that with you, and we were all here off the yeah. air, and you were excited about it. Then I, I personally, I, I, I don't have any like disdain towards the Hitman games, but I really don't think they're very interesting. Mm-hmm. They're like to me. I've always jokingly said that like. The order goes like Metal Gear and then Splinter Cell and then fucking Hitman, which you know if you're the poor man Splinter Cell, you're not doing well in my world. But uh, I don't, I don't think Agent Forty Seven is an interesting enough character to have gotten three movies. He's gotten three movies. There were three, I know two. I believe I thought there were three. Is this the third one? Uh, I I believed it was the second. Um, I guess I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Regardless, two movies is is too too many for this character, as far as I'm concerned. We're doing live googling right now. Yeah, live googling, live googling. Um, the movie was directed by a uh, a gentleman by the name of Alexander Bach. This is his directorial debut for a feature film. He was a commercial director. First and last movie, maybe. Um, my guess is, um, 
you know, they they just recently announced another Hitman game at E3 that looked kind of slick and streamlined. And, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, I love Hitman Go, even though I have no attachment to the property, as it were. It actually made me want to kind of go back and play the other Hitman games, even though there's no narrative in Hitman Go because it was so stylish. Um, do you guys think that this coming out might hurt the, the upcoming game that's supposed to be out in 2016? Um, no, I think... <laughs> I think people are looking forward to that game are not going to care at all that, that this movie was bad. Um, real quick, so it looks like there was the original Hitman movie that came out in November of 2007, um, and then this and then this one. I stand corrected, sorry. I mean, there may have been a third one that, that was just like low budget and like low, it, it, that was not high enough on the radar. You know what it is? This is so sad I'm going to say this. You know what it is? I think yeah. I'm confusing the two of them. I think I'm thinking of Punisher because there were three Punisher movies that oh. were equally terrible. Right, right. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Go, goats upset yeah, with you guys me, are just it? bagging on this and bagging on it. He, they beat pixels. They beat or they they tied with pixels. <laughs> oh, by, no, 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 the they t- beat pixels by two meta, meta okay. points. They beat pixels. <laughs> what right. an achievement! Hold on, hold on. But at the end of the day, they beat Fantastic Four, which is supposed to blow our socks off and like impregnate our women, and it's the worst thing on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever thought that was going to blow the socks off of anybody and impregnate anybody's woman? I That's don't... the way they made it sound. They're like, well, we fucked up the last one. Let's do it again. It's worked for us a couple other times. And then they were like, also oh. a Fox production. Well, true. Yeah, um, yeah Fox is so... It's and like, they're either so really, really good or yeah. just really, yeah, yeah, really yeah, terrible. Yeah, sure, sure. And hmm. it's still not Super Mario Bros. I don't know, man. I mean, like, Super Mario Brothers it has that... that like ridiculousness to the point of being adorable in it, you know? It's, it's like it's now. so it's well now, that's true in retrospect. I mean, we'll like, love this movie in ten years. Yeah, we'll have it on Blu-ray. Yeah. We'll oh no, like, yeah. no, trust me. <laughs> like even now, like, you know, everybody talks about the childlike wonder of being like, you know, ten years old and like, oh, you know, even when I was ten years old, I my dad took me to see Super Mario Brothers with my brother and his best friend Steve. And the four of us went to go see it. And my dad's been, you know, been a big video game guy as I've talked about on the show most of my life. And 10-year-old John got out of the theater and went, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I, I believe that that is exactly how that happened. That is not what happened at all. My father would have beat my ass. <laughs> um, so then I believe that is what happened. Yes, <laughs> yes. That happened, and yes. then he beat your ass. The fuck but... is that? Goombas are dinosaurs? What happened? I don't... What's going on? John, John's like, I left the movie theater. I said that. I woke up two days later. <laughs> in, no. a, in, a, in a trauma center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing Super Mario Brothers in the theater was a lot like that scene in uh, Fight Club where Tyler Durden spliced a single frame of porn into the kids' movie. It just <laughs> I was crying and <laughs> tears and hatred and upsetnessness. No, Moving on, though, for the sake of the show. <laughs> uh, coming in at number four this week, EverQuest 2, which is a name I didn't think that I would be saying anytime soon yeah. and ever again, uh, is going to be experimenting with permanent, quote, prison servers um so this game's been around for a long time and for those of you that might have played it when it was uh first launching it was a big budget title cost uh sony online entertainment then sony online entertainment now daybreak game studios whom we've talked about uh, a lot this year um cost them a lot of money when the game launched big i mean like i remember being at movie theaters and they you know, everquest 2 was on cups and shit at the movie theaters like they spent a lot of money on marketing for this game well, you know, years go by, and it's not as prominent of a title as it used to be, but uh, Daybreak Game Studio is going to be trying something a little bit different to police, um, I don't know, uh, MMO shitheads is really <laughs> all I can think of to say it. Uh, all right. They're going to be starting what they call a prison server, affectionately, uh, called Drunder, which sounds like like you're going to jail to me. Um 
some of whom's occupants uh, include Lizard Squad, the buried people that hacked John Smedley right out of a job. Um, Passage is a permanent one-way trip, Daybreak says, and those consigned to the server will never be able to leave. Uh, server named Drunder goes live uh, this week, you know, in, in the current week that we've been uh, uh, reporting on here as of, as a press time, the server should be live. Uh, Drunder's first batch of inhabitants will be players flagged for continually breaking the rules and disrupting EverQuest 2's gameplay. The players will also be able to choose to join Drunder by choice. Uh, should they fancy a place where there are no consequences for your actions? However, the same rules still apply. There's no going back. If you choose to go to Drunder, you're stuck there forever. But it's like there's no rules? Well, there are rules, but the, typically for MMOs, there are still people who find ways around hacking or people who incessantly spam, you know, gold bots and stuff. Like, people use bots and shit like that. Sure. They, these are people who, who break any of the community rules outside of, you know, if you're not playing nicely, essentially. Um, to be clear, quote, to be clear, you won't be able to move individual characters to this server while maintaining characters from the same account on another server. Daybreak detailed via a post on the studio's forum. This is a one-way trip for an entire account. Wow. Forever. So if you put your character on Drunder, your SOE or Daybreak Game Studios account, that you're there. That's it. But, so then any other characters that are owned by that account get brought along with it? That's what they're implying. Wow. You are a you are a Daybreak Game Studios MMO hoodlum for now <laughs> and ever. Wow. So ultimate players who break, break the rules or want to will have a world of their own to do whatever they will. Um, Daybreak uh, Developer Daybreak, formerly Sony on Entertainment, describes the idea as an experiment. Its success will be monitored and how players interact with each other in Drunder will be tracked. A developer recently hit headlines we talked about when uh, CEO John Smedley announced that he was stepping down as the company boss following a sustained campaign of online harassment from Lizard Squad. Um, how do you guys feel about this? What do you think about this? I think this is genius. I, yeah. I love everything about it. I mean, it's, it's you know, it, probably the, uh, the, before this idea you know, came around, probably the, uh, the, the normal reaction of a game studio to people like these was to ban them off the server. But then you're also not getting their money anymore. That's correct. So this is a way of continually getting that subscription fee from these people while giving them their own just anarchy reigns area of the game to just do pretty much whatever they want without, without fear of consequence. And I think it's brilliant. Goat, what's your take on this? I'm all right with it. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody needs an now switch. It's cool. Oh, shit. That is... Uh, I don't think that's the same. It's not the same <laughs> thing. I don't, that's not the same. It's a one-way ticket, buddy. Yeah, that's not oh, the same. not the same. All right, fine. It's a resort version. Moving on. <laughs> um, here's here's my feeling on this. Um, they're not the first, the first studio to try something like this. Oh? Um... Actually, Iron Galaxy, who makes Killer Instinct, and this was not... I didn't pick this story as a segue to talk about <laughs> Killer Instinct, I swear. Um, it, it actually started, I believe, Iron Galaxy carried it over, but I'm pretty sure it started with Double Helix, the company that Amazon bought and folded into Amazon Game Studio, um, the original creators of Season 1 of Killer Instinct. Uh, they created a way to take all of the people who rage quit or just flat out dump out on a match that they're losing there's a big problem with online fighting games you know in that community where if somebody's going to lose a match or it might mar their record they just quit um iron galaxy and uh you know double helix um have a system in killer instinct where if you quit out so many matches it puts you in jail with other people who are quitters and it will only match make you to other quitters hmm. and your your little like player icon where your health is at the top 
there's little like bars over your icon. <laughs> and if you play well and don't rage quit after a certain period of time, certain amount of matches, they let you out of jail and put you back into the regular world. But if you fuck up, you keep going back to jail. Interesting. So it's a similar concept where they just pair you with other shitheads. I can't think of any other way right. to say it, shitheads. See, um, the, only, the only issue I see with this, though, is if you put all these type of people together... The new, like, unwritten quest is to escape from Fantasy Island. Oh, there's no escaping Drunder. Well, they say that, but now that's the new quest. Like, we will break it and we will get back to the normal I gotta world. Which is a great name for a prison server. I don't know why. I feel compelled. I want to get, like, a like a three-legged cross-eyed dog and name it Drunder. <laughs> like, that feels like a great dumb dog name. Yeah. Aw. Go, well, don't look at me like that. Why, why does he... He's already got problems. Like, don't help him out with the bad... <laughs> Drunder, don't eat that. Like, Drunder, it, don't poop on the rug. If you're going to do that, like, if it's going to be three-legged, cross-eyed dog... Drunder, sick balls. Name, <laughs> no, name, uh, no. name him something, like, useful, like Steve Jobs. Oh, oh good Lord. Man. And the this guys. is the episode where Goat attempts to offend as many people as possible. <laughs> it's just another episode of Gamerhead Radio. He's back, folks. Good in case God. you weren't sure. Just in case. It's okay. Mm. It's okay. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I think it's a great idea. I think it's... And it also says something about EverQuest 2. EverQuest 2 has not been a popular game for some time, and when it launched, a lot of people don't remember, it was it was that and World of Warcraft in the first couple minutes of World of Warcraft were the two competing for subscription numbers, and everyone knew EverQuest, and EverQuest was the big thing, and then World of Warcraft stomped it into oblivion, and that's kind of what happened to that game. But you it's just a, people are still playing it if they're putting this kind of work into yeah. it. Yeah, You missed a detail on that. Eh? Uh, everybody went back to EverQuest 1, and then World of Warcraft just kept going. <laughs> it's true. EverQuest oh, 1 he- still exists. Seriously? Yeah, it's Everybody was like, oh yeah, and we all played it, and we're like, it still gets expansions. going back. As of, I don't yeah. know, two years ago. Mm. I don't know if they're still working yeah, on it. still alive well. How old is that game? Uh, uh, 99, I believe. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. It's still kicking. So the longest running. Um, like, that's got to be the game of the Still running, I would imagine, as far as MMOs go. I think Ultima is considered the first sort of, you know. Okay. And that's um, still going to? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. No, Ultima is not. I, I think I think Ultima is the original Ultima. So, is so the longest, the, the the oldest that's still running is probably uh, EverQuest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, certainly the most influential. It's it's sure. the, it's the grandfather of all MMOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really. yeah no doubt. No doubt. And, and notably, still populated because there's uh, there's ones out there where like there's four dudes who still play it. Yeah, <laughs> well, at least at least yeah. four. Crazy. Um, you know, well, keep keep doing what you're doing, guys. I think it's kind of a cool thing. You know, maybe if more studios put time into mm-hmm. policing their online environments, uh, there would be less kids screaming about dicks in your face so uh, so here's the question though so once we get like fantasy island as i'm going to call it here since the other, <laughs> the other reference didn't work well uh, <laughs> island doesn't work as well uh uh gets going and the escape from new york quest opens up unofficially and stuff like that like is there like going to be like a solitary then if you screw up and thunder no i think it's a lawless land of like if you go there you get what you get like oh, like okay. if, if if someone farts in your face you had it coming you chose to be here okay you know oh, all right that'll work i love it <laughs> I, I think it's awesome as long as, they, as long as they do it in a mad max post-apocalyptic <laughs> all right i'm gonna go ahead and move on to number three for the week uh original xbox backwards compatibility let's finish 360 first says spencer so um Obviously, at E3, they announced you know backwards compatibility to some degree for the Xbox One. I guess questions came up this week about uh, whether or not the original, original Xbox, the original Xbox One, we'll the call OG, it. yeah, the OG <laughs> Xbox, uh, would be backwards compatible. Um, 
Backwards compatibility, which seems to be the can of worms, Microsoft opened at E3 2015 when it announced on the Xbox One, will be able to run Xbox 360 games. Got a lot of fans excited, obviously, as we saw, but the process is complicated as it is uh, as it's effectively running a virtual 360 on Xbox One hardware. Not all games will carry through, since not every publisher is willing to, but most games should. Uh, it's a great way to have success to old favorites without digging in uh, in the into the discs without having to pull them out. Um, but what about the other classics, the ones that came out on the original Xbox? Microsoft is not ruling it out. Now, this is not a confirmation that they're saying this is going to happen. Um, and, and don't let's not expect it anytime soon because they're, they're, if it does happen, they're going to have to completely reverse engineer that system and find a way to run it on, you know, here well, as well. Maybe, but continue. Um, <laughs> so Xbox's Phil Spencer answered one fan on Twitter, and this was uh, a, a, one of the, those rare, beautiful things that happens in social media where it unfolded before everyone's eyes, uh, who had the same inquiry. And he said, I don't think it's silly. Um, I asked the BC team this question a lot. Uh, need to finish 360 BC for now. So they have a whole department working on backwards compatibility. And what he says is, let's team's telling him, let's get this first thing out of the way, and then we'll work on the other thing, is essentially what they're saying. Right. So they're not ruling it out. And my guess is they'll probably be announcing that next year, <laughs> E3 next year. Maybe sooner if they're smart, you yeah. know. Uh, so my take on this, um, well, if you remember, the 360 had limited backwards uh, compatibility to the original Xbox. So it's entirely possible they just might replicate that. If they're already running a virtual 360, just adding sure. in the pieces to that, they already have the code written. Yeah. So sure. depending on how they're how it's structured, you know, it's uh, you know, I I understand a decent amount about virtual machines and how how emulation and virtualization works. And so, um, you know, if you're running a virtual computer. Like, you can pretty much do anything on that computer that you could do on, if that computer were real. I mean, it's basically the same thing. So yeah. if, if they're following the same general set of rules here, uh, just getting the software that emulated the original Xbox functionality on the, the Xbox 360, getting that to work on the virtual Xbox 360, I actually don't think it'd be that that much work. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly... I mean, I certainly don't know anything about how they're doing the thing over there, so I, it's hard for me to opine, but I would imagine that I wonder how much of it is the work and how much of it is, is that worth the investment for them to do all the work to reverse engineer games? People may not remember that well in some regards, or maybe, I mean, like you don't see a lot of there, as far as I know, there's no original Xbox titles for sale currently in, in the digital space. They just don't have them, although they should. Yeah, I think, um. Uh, my now my inter- my impression is uh, here's what I'm likening this to is the virtual console on the Wii U. Sure, is that that's been like a relatively decent, uh, uh, un- you know, substantially enough of a success to have justified the time mm-hmm. that it put into it. Would you say that that's true? Go from what what you've experienced with the virtual. Oh console? yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, oh, I have yeah. a ton of virtual uh, games on my 3ds. Yeah. Ton of them. So first thing I did when I got my 3ds a couple months ago was start buying virtual games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, I think that I think it might. This might be a combination of Microsoft saying, "Hey, this shouldn't be that hard." If my theory is correct, and um, them saying, you know, just looking at the money that um, um, that uh, Nintendo was bringing in on the old Virtual Console stuff, and just saying, like, yeah, it's like John, like you said, we have these old Xbox, you know, original Xbox games that, yeah, a lot of people not, might not care about anymore, but nonetheless, if we throw a bunch of these up there for like three, five, whatever dollars a piece, that's like easy money. I mean, I, let's be honest. They toss up four ninety nine psycho uh, psychonauts on the on the one virtual console. They've made their money. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. though, I mean, look at look at how many 
how many companies are doing HD re-releases or, you know what I mean, updates to their games recently. Look at something like Rare Replay. A lot of the games being offered in that package were, you know, some of them were ex- original Xbox titles or from that era, at least. Sure. They did say that a lot of the backwards compatibility is based on publisher participation. How many publishers are going to want to participate if it's going to take money out of their pockets? That and how many publishers from back that are still in business. Well, somebody yeah. somebody owns those licenses, yeah. even if it isn't the same publishers. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm saying, so, do you want to yeah. like dig down and you know some of those games you did like find you know Joe well but from marketing who won a lottery at the. Mixer and yeah, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. I yeah. want them to do this because uh, I have a like a 65 game ex- original Xbox library that I barely ever touch. I'd yeah. love to. Um, now, see, my understanding of of from Microsoft's original announcement of how the backwards compa- compatibility worked is that it took virtually no effort on mm-hmm. the side of the publishers. They basically just had to give Microsoft the thumbs up, and then Microsoft would do some magic on their side. That would make that game work. But uh, Microsoft did say that engineering the setup for the backwards compatibility on the Xbox One for the 360 was unbelievably complicated. I'm sure it was on their very end. Very difficult. I, I, I completely believe it yeah. was on their end. I'm saying the publishers, it takes zero, like uh, little to no effort. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive that I read this past, or if it wasn't this week, maybe it was last week, that Phil Spencer also said, went so far as to say, we are doing something that the PlayStation is not capable of doing mm-hmm. altogether. I'm sure that that's not true at all. I'm sure that was just him trying to tout yeah. the system. Um, not knowing the architecture or what goes into sure. it, but but uh, he was so ballsy as to say we're doing something PlayStation can't do. Yes, they're emulating the 360. The PlayStation can't well, do that. <laughs> they're talking about emulating backwards. No, I know. I'm sure. That I'm sure that's probably the just spin. him being a, a little bold in his. Yeah, because they've had PS1 titles on the PS3. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're they're the last ones to do the virtual things to bring back the retro titles. Yeah. Xbox is the last one and they're spinning it to make it sound like they're breaking walls and moving on with the, no, you guys are catching up. Well, yeah. regardless of who's doing what with what, I'm just glad to see the trend of backwards compatibility starting to come back in. Yeah, I agree. There's uh, a whole generation of people that don't remember that when you bought your games, you got to keep them for the next console cycle, at least the next console mm-hmm. cycle and that went away for, you know, money reasons and I'm glad to see them kind of giving a little something back with that. Quick, just quick side note to this. Did you guys catch that? Um, I believe it was this last week was announced that the full version of Final Fantasy VII is going to be being released on iOS. Yes, mm-hmm. that's to me that it just kind of messes with my head a little bit. That playing that game, that, that game, that, that that particular game, being able to play that on my iPad or like somebody's yeah. iPhone on your fucking phone. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure, it's going to be a three gigabyte download, you know, give or take. But think uh, about uh, well, I mean, I, I have Knights of the Old Republic on on my phone, and that blew my mind when I was yeah, able true. To that's yeah, that's that, similarly you know? that's that's true. Such a, I mean, and that's that's a bigger game in terms of of you know uh, file size and and overall. That's space. True. It's yep. unbelievable yep. to me that we're living in that age where the games we played when we were kids that were considered the high-end games graphically and, and on an audio level. That were level literally world-changing yeah, for us. Put it on your phone. It's just in your pocket. Yeah, it's crazy. Jesus. But, uh, getting old, Charlie. We're getting old. Jesus. I don't need games to tell me that. Yeah. Well, moving on to number two this week. Unofficial Amiibo can use data for any Nintendo figurine. So if you haven't had any luck scoring Amiibo, uh, you need... <laughs> You need to unlock certain goodies in a Wii U or 3DS game. Very, very, very unofficial accessory might help. Uh, Axio Games Amico, that's spelled like Amiibo, but with a Q instead of the B. 
Um, such just such garbage. Just flagrant. So flagrant. Um, Axio Games Amico devices can uh, can use an Android app to load the data from any Amiibo. It can store up to two hundred, by the way, which aren't even in, that many in existence to begin with, including those that already have some gameplay under their belts. The company isn't shy about the true purposes of its eighty nine dollar gadget. Um. While you can use the Amico for a personal backup, bullshit. <laughs> it's really meant to both uh, to both grab bootleg Amiibo data and help cheat. It even comes with info for 10 characters out of the box. To put it mildly, the Amico is swimming in dangerous legal waters. <laughs> Swim- that, that's about as mildly as you Treading can possibly. Treading water in dangerous legal waters. The, you- the sharks are already circling. I mean, Gotta be, gotta yeah. be. Uh, while you're not sw- <laughs> while you're not swiping the figurines themselves, you are using code that you aren't supposed to have. Um, the original uh, publisher of this story is Engadget. They reached out to Nintendo to gauge its stance, and however, it won't be surprising if the console maker cracks down. After all, Nintendo is barely profitable, uh, even with the mania that surrounds the amiibo scene. Uh, it's hard to imagine the company is willing to give up any of its uh, statuette revenue. Um, and they did put an update onto this story saying that Nintendo isn't detailing its specific answer, but its statement to, uh, to Engadget suggests that it's not going to sit idle while Amico runs rampant. Nintendo was quoted as saying, Nintendo actively monitors threats to its product, secu- uh, product security and the unauthorized use of its intellectual property. Nintendo will vigorously enforce its intellectual property rights and will work to protect its greatest assets, its beloved characters and products, which translates to... Mario is going to rappel into the creator of this this person's <laughs> home and punch his teeth right into his throat. Um, this is shit. Yeah, so there, I have two viewpoints on this particular story. One, um, uh, yeah, the any any attempt by this company to uh, to market this and and spin this as a backup device, the fact that it comes with Amiibo preloaded on it um, throws that argument right out the window. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, and yeah, I mean, like it's it's very clearly obvious what this thing is for. Now, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna play devil's advocate for a second here. The I I, I would wager that the entire reason why this thing exists is because of as a, as a direct result of the artificial scarcity that Nintendo has put on these figures. If 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 as if, they did with the Wii when it originally came out. Well. Yeah, but this even more so. I mean, because they they could. There's nothing stopping them. I mean, they're 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 continuously making new amiibos, so there's nothing to stop them from making more of the old sure, amiibos. Sure, sure. They're amiibo they're, black market, which is a very real thing. Sure. And the reason that that exists is because you know I've gone into stores multiple times, and I've you know anytime I'm ever near the amiibo section, I just glance at it just to see if I see anything that I recognize as I being the same thing. rare or hard to get, and it's always Mario, Bowser, Peach, Luigi, Toad, Yoshi, Zelda, Zelda. Yeah, just the ones uh, that the ones that you can find everywhere. Yep, all the and time. And if if the entire roster were as easy to get as the majority of like Skyliners, for example, or the majority of Disney Infinity figures, yes, I know there are some rarities and on that side too, but significantly less. Yeah, I don't think this product would have anywhere near as much of a reason to exist. Yeah. Um, so uh, that doesn't make it okay, but I do think Nintendo brought this on themselves a little bit. Yeah, probably, but uh, Nintendo is also going to go in there and, and, you know, put a boot in their ass over it, too. And it's, you know, Nintendo's response to, uh, I mean, because this is piracy. I mean, that when it comes down to it, this is piracy. Um, it's, uh, you know, because it's violation. I mean, to be of- fair, in, in the history of, of gaming, it's not like things like this haven't popped up and been, I, I don't know if you'd call them acceptable, but where people just kind of went, well, fucking whatever, you know, back in the day. 
not the same level of uh, blatant theft, but a lot of you may remember all the way up through the PlayStation 1 era, GameShark. GameShark was an unauthorized piece of cheating technology that, you know, people scripted answers to the problems you had in games, went into the debug menus, and basically scripted cheats for every fucking thing in the games you played. You plugged it in, you went into a debug menu that forced its way into the game's code, and then you tinkered with it, you know, based on what was on the disc or cartridge, and cheated your way through whatever the hell you want, which seemed like the greatest thing ever as a kid, but that was not an authorized piece of hardware. No, not at all. Where they were doing something kind of... But that didn't take money out of somebody's pockets. It didn't take money out of somebody's pockets, you know? A little bit different there, I'd say, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, I mean, I'm just talking more about unauthorized technology. Sure. You know? Um... But uh, I mean, I think this is going to be exactly like the N4 cards that uh, that you know we saw on the DSs, um, yeah. which is you know for those who aren't familiar, um, and they were replaced by I think like the R5 and uh, you know several you know multiple other products of the same idea, where basically it was a cart that it would put in a DS or a, a 3DS or whatever that you could put a memory card in and you could load up, you could download off the internet off of places where you download you know illicit things and load them up and basically pirate you know DS and 3DS games or whatever. Yeah, ROMs um, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I'm I'm imagining that Sony's legal, de- uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, Nintendo. Legal department is looking at this the exact same way, um, and they're going to go after it in the same way. Uh, but that being said, um, it took Nintendo a very long time to squash the N4 card. Um, yeah. Now, given that was like a ten to fifteen dollar accessory as opposed to a ninety dollar piece of electronics, so mm-hmm. it's not the same. But um, well, these yeah. amiibo also, or Amico, sorry, yeah. uh, also have you know they, they're custom made. They look like amiibo, but they're characters that aren't like Nintendo characters. You can kind of I think there's a variety of things that are whatever else type character that aren't Amiibo mm-hmm. or Nintendo characters. So there may be some like weird aftermarket appeal to people who want those characters in like a statuesque collector's form. But uh, $89 is pretty prohibitive. I don't know if it's going to take off. Yeah. But uh, like I say, I think it's a result of the, the scarcity. And then I, uh, the other side of it, too, is, of course, is Nintendo um, announcing that they were going to be coming out with like little special mini games and other like content. Like I think you mentioned in the article, like content that you would need to unlock with these various various amiibos. So as much as somebody might want to, if they aren't able to find the pit amiibo sitting on a store somewhere, they, they just they don't get that content. And there's just no way around that. So, yeah. um, again, I, I don't I don't think it's OK, but I do think Nintendo kind of created this problem a little bit on their side. Goat, you've been very quiet here. Yeah, you guys have been handling this. I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> We're doing the heavy lifting. He's fine. Not even then. I'm pro for it. 90 bucks for all that without ha- without all the bullshit of fighting this and dealing with people and all these Nintendo nuts and all that. No humans? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. I go plop. Done. Amiibo. You know, acquired. Of, okay. cor- of course you're all for this. The Goat Nikos. <laughs> But yeah, but I don't have kids or anything like that. It's just me. So like, I don't need all this crap hanging out where I don't need to go find 50 things at $13 a piece. If I can get them all for 90 bucks. <laughs> I'll take them all. Yeah, $90. good. Great. It'll sit there. I'll put like the three or four or five that I really like and went out and bought the figures, set them on their little stage and done. Moving on my if life. If it comes yeah. preloaded with the, the Luma and, and Rosalina, <laughs> the Rosalina Luma stuff, I guarantee you it's this fucking guy up in Canada, the guy that bought it. <laughs> he's, he's trying to sink Nintendo's battleship. That's what it is. Oh, God. That would be that would be such an incredibly wonderful twist to this I story. I told you this whole year, man. I've had my eye on that fucking guy. He's, <laughs> He's going to rise. Me. He's going to rise. Not fooling me, not fooling anybody. I like it. All right, going to go to move on to number 1 this week. Um, we've talked a little bit about Amazon Game Studios. Uh, Clint Hawking among three prominent Amazon Game Studios resignations. 
So uh, Amazon Game Studios, where I just mentioned it a couple stories back that they folded in, uh, you know, Double Helix, the original Killer Instinct one season one creators. They folded them into Amazon Game Studio. Um, suddenly become uh, begun hemorrhaging high profile employees. Um, well known industry veteran Clint Hawking has left Amazon Game Studios. So. This on its own isn't tremendous news as the Splinter Cell Chaos Theory and Far Cry 2 Creative uh, seems to be forever leaving places, Ubisoft and Valve both, uh, but two other high, highly placed staffers have also hit the road according to uh, MCV. Eric Nyland was, until very recently, Amazon Game Studios' director of narrative design, and he's a 13-year Microsoft veteran who worked on the Halo franchise. Um, and uh, formal Christ- former Crystal Dynamics staffer Jonathan Hamill has also upped his stakes and moved on. Uh, it's unusual to see so many important employees exit, uh, exit except at the end of a major project. Um, did they cancel something? Are they not making games anymore? Is there an upheaval? Who knows? Um, usually, talent like this doesn't take off unless there's a pretty good reason for it or when they're running off to form their own studio. Right. Um, in any case, uh, Portal creator Kim Swift and fellow Valve alumni Tony, uh, Tom Leonard still seem to be on board alongside many other talented creators, um, so this may not be anything bad about their studio, but uh, it was announced in August of 2012. We haven't heard anything from it since in two years' worth of game conventions and you know trade shows, uh, and, and even after they've announced all this stuff publicly, just nothing. Uh, company bought out original Killer Instinct reboot developer Double Helix Games and published many third-party mobile efforts like Human Heads Lost Within um, and has stated that it's working on, quote, ambitious PC game. Um, comes kind of on the heels of the announcement just uh, just this last week by the, the New York Times that uh, Amazon has atrocious working conditions. I wonder if this has something to do with it. Oh, it could be. I mean, the... Um the, the, the majority of the stories we hear about Amazon's culture are from like their warehouse and their shipping side. So I don't know how much of that would really bleed over into, you know, the, the game studios, the whole digital side seems like a completely different, uh, you know, different enough or, you know, I mean, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure really how far up the chain that culture reached. This sounds like nothing to do with their working environment at all. This sounds like people with very good resumes got offered the farm two years ago, whenever they came in. And Amazon's not delivering. So as mm. a normal good business person, you're like, fuck you and found something else. the old bait and switch. So, yeah. Uh, you know, you know yeah. like, hey, you, you, you offered me a Mercedes. Uh, it's been two years. Where's my Mercedes? How oh, about that? You know what? They're offering you know, me at least a nice new Saturn. I'm out. <laughs> I hope that maybe it's just a conflict of interest and they decided to part ways because regardless of, of what people may have said recently about Amazon's working conditions or their managerial like toughness, sternness, uh, Charlie and I both agreed that if anybody was going to throw a new console down to, to kind of stir the pot a little bit, it might be Amazon. You know, they certainly seem to do things sort of innovatively and mm-hmm. would have been interesting to see them kind of kind of put their back into it. But to be fair, I did say that before the Amazon TV came and as you know, shown us what it has been capable of doing. And um, the, you know, the, the Amazon Fire TV is... Uh, I mean, it seems to be doing well enough, but I don't think it's doing anywhere near as well enough as Amazon hoped slash expected that it would. Um, mm. So I think I think you might be right on the money there. I think that um, that there are promises made to these folks in regards to the performance of the Amazon TV and what they'd then be able to uh, uh, you know, re- you know give back to them in return. You know, once once they saw that success and everything, and so um, yeah, I, I go. I think you're right on the money on this one. Just smart business people who've made themselves careers 
doing what they do best and moving on with their so essentially, careers. It's like it's like it's like Fox hiring the cast of Fantastic Four and saying we're going to make a Marvel movie. And it's going to be the greatest thing in the world and blow off your socks <laughs> yeah. and impregnate your women. Yeah. And then you get a one star rating and everybody's like, I'm out of here. Oh, <laughs> man, that's sad. I'm going to go work on Deadpool. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that's all it is. Well, you know, I, I, I hope it's just a, uh, you know, I hope it's just a hiccup. I hope that they're mm. able to, to, gaming needs something new, something extra, something more to kind of stiffen the competition a little bit, I think. John and, just wants the fire council on his TV so he can say his TV's on fire. I don't want my TV to be on fire. My God. <laughs> what, 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 what do I play on then? But, uh, you know, I will say... Um, you know the uh, while while we might be hoping that the video game industry gets uh gets something new in, in it to mix it up and uh, kind of change things around, I can definitely say that we've experienced something that the card game industry um, has gotten new to mix it up. So we're going to talk about that next. So I have some horrible news for everyone. Uh, earlier in this studio, um, some kittens, they did explode. And it was sad, and it was horrible, and, um, well, it happened. Six of them, to be six, exact. Six, to be exact, yes. Six kittens lost their poor fuzzy lives um, <laughs> in, in this very studio, um, given, um, ever have, after having looked at the cards, several of them are their own fault. Um, but nonetheless, it is no less tragic. Uh, but, of course, we are talking about the card game, uh, Exploding Kittens, uh, created by Elon Lee, uh, which is, um, f- you know, he, who comes from, uh, you know, the Xbox side of things, as well as alternate reality games. Matthew Inman, better known as The Oatmeal, and Shane Small, also from Xbox and also from Marvel. Um, these, these folks got together, um, I want to say maybe about, maybe a little under a year ago. I think it might have been earlier this year. Uh, the beginning of this year, I think it was, and they basically uh, they, they they came up with an idea for a uh, playing card game called Exploding Kittens. Uh, put it up on Kickstarter and turned it into um, the most backed Kickstarter project ever, ever, and the most <laughs> funded games project in Kickstarter history. Um, and this is for a card game. If you can just wrap your head around that, if you haven't following the if you haven't been following the saga, if I remember correctly, um, the uh, this game was funded. You know, actually, just for comparison's sake, uh, so uh, Hitman Agent 47, um, turns out it made $7.5 million in its opening weekend. This is, a, you know, an opening release for a big-budget Hollywood movie uh, starring, you know, relatively known actors. And yeah, yeah, a $7.5 million opening weekend for, uh, for a big-budget Hollywood box office movie. Uh, and Exploding Kittens, a card game made on paper. Made made out of paper and ink, and uh, well, not a big budget Hollywood movie. Um, ended up um, selling uh, units totaling eight million seven hundred eighty-two thousand dollars, and uh, uh, give or take. So, so this card game ended up making more money than um, than uh, than a big budget Hollywood blockbuster um, based on a relatively known video game uh, with relatively known actors. Um, yeah, what does that tell you? Um, you know, they, they had a relatively low, uh, goal because, you know, it's a, re- it's a card game, you know, and we're not talking about like electronics or like something that they had to like, this was paper print packaging. Thank you. That That's exactly, that, exactly <laughs> that. Um, so with a, even, even despite having a relatively low, uh, uh, Kickstarter goal, um, the project was funded, I believe something within like eight hours, uh, something inc- incredibly quick period after having going live. And it was it, like, like two or three days later, it was up to like two or three million dollars, uh, you know, blowing its goal, like, like, like significantly out of the water. I mean, like it was completely obliterated. Would you say it was exploding its goal? Uh, yes, I oh, would in fact say man. that um, with kittens. Um, 
And so, so yes, uh, so um, I received my copy because um, I did back the Kickstarter. I, I received my copy of both the regular and the not safe for work deck um, in the mail a couple weeks ago while Goot was still out of town. And um, uh, you know, the uh, the itinerary for last week's show already having been being set in stone, we decided that this week we were going to play it ahead of time and uh, before the episode, so then we could talk about it. And uh, so, just in general, uh, John, what did you think of Exploding Kittens? Um, you know, I I. I was not aware of Exploding Kittens uh, until you pointed it out to me months back, you know, oh, maybe okay. toward the beginning of the year, you know, first quarter of the year or something like that. Um, probably while the Kickstarter was still live, you pointed it out to me and I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the oatmeal. I always thought the oatmeal. Matthew Inman, who goes by the oatmeal, you'd mention that. I, I always liked his artwork. His yes. comics are funny as shit. Yeah. Um, and... I couldn't think of a better thing to marry to a card game than his art style and his sense of humor worked out amazingly. Yep. Um, it was funny. It's, it's funny. It's fast paced. It's quick. It's easy to learn. And it is exactly what you want out of a, a a multiplayer card game, which is to piss off all your friends. (laughs) Indeed. Um, the, uh, the game describes it. I'll I'll, I'll let the game describe itself a little bit here. Uh, the game is a highly strategic kitty powered version of Russian roulette. I I made that comment earlier. You did. Um, players draw cards until someone draws an exploding kitten, at which point they explode. They are dead and they are out of the game. Unless that player has a diffuse card, which can diffuse the kitten using things like laser pointers, belly rubs and catnip sandwiches. Uh, all of the other cards in the deck are used to move, mitigate or avoid the exploding kittens. Now you said you were going to let the game speak for itself. Maybe you should open the box and actually let it speak for that's itself. That's true. That, that, that's true. So if, if you are if you did get in on the Kickstarter and you did uh, receive a copy, um, they they mentioned that the box that they put something a little extra into the box, which they didn't tell anybody about beforehand until people received their boxes and then they opened the lid and found that it went like this. We have <laughs> <laughs> because of course it does. I've heard that like five times tonight, and I still think it's funny. <laughs> yep. So the, the core deck is for two to five players, ages seven and up, uh, two minutes to learn and 15 minutes to play, which I would say is accurate on average. Um, and then, of course, the Not Safe for Work deck is the exact same thing, only uh, no longer for ages seven and up. Um, a lot of diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. A lot of diarrhea. A lot of penis and diarrhea. Yep. Penises, diarrhea, uh, <laughs> extra nipples. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeeks. Um, <clears throat> yeah, sounds go- like a party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds like my Wednesday Sounds night. like a chum and shisa party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Goat, uh, what, what did you think of your experience with uh, the kittens that explode? Oh, it's great. It's it's perfect. Like even the packaging, it's like everything's just concise, made for like like keep it your in your in your your man purse or your bag or whatever your man purse. Whatever you whatever age level <laughs> you whatever age level you may be at mentally, between be backpacked to Merce, mm. you can keep it in there. Is and, there an age level for Merce? <laughs> well, you don't see sixteen year olds of them. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Okay. Mm. So, anyways, whatever your bag of choice may be, for all your gadgets and other fun toys, but it's it's like the size of a sadly it's the size of a almost a cell phone these days. But I mean, it, it doesn't take up a lot of room. It's just quick. It's like, hey, we're at the bus stop. It's let's, a compact set yeah, too. It's let's really like slap it down, get down on this, and wait for the bus. <laughs> it's perfect. It's and the thing too is is like for the for the 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 most expensive you know or not the most expensive the most backed Kickstarter on mm-hmm. the planet. They put the money to good use. The cards are high quality. The mm-hmm. packaging is high quality. It's even got like a magnetic closure in the yep. front. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it, it fucking meows at you, for God's sakes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. when this does find its way to retail shelves, which, my God, I hope it does. So, for those who haven't seen this, um, I, I'd suggest just Google, you know, just going to Google and trying to find a picture because you actually need to see the picture to really appreciate it. But your shipping invoice um, for, the, for the game is basically a customized comic with your name in it. Four-panel comic. Four-panel comic. Uh, showing a kitten, a zombie kitten, saying, I'm coming for you, in my case, Charlie. I've journeyed across Illinois looking for you and your fellow Worthleys to, so that together, and then it shows a cat ringing a doorbell, uh, and then the, the final panel. So actually, it's five panels. Uh, mm. says, we may burn, and it shows my house with my address on it exploding, um, <laughs> which is it's just, it's just so good. It's, it makes Dude, me so happy. So bitter that I didn't. I didn't kickstart this when I had the chance. I'm I'm sorry, John. Stupid man. <laughs> I want to wait for the uh, the the retail tin to come out with both decks and the extra expansion. And I'm assuming mm-hmm. there's going to be more expansions yeah. because yeah. because free money, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Given I mean, how many like, people yeah. back this, they would be they would be stupid even that. to put this on store the shelves. Fact, the fact that like like Super Fight Cards Humanity that that model is very popular right now mm-hmm. and very accessible. Yep, yep, very true. Madness. Um. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this is, I mean, Cards Against Humanity is always going to have a place in my stable of like, you know, stuff to pull out when I've got friends over and sure. we've been drinking and everything. Sure. But I mean, this is going right next to it. Sure, I mean, sure. it, it, it because, because of how many times we've all played Cards Against Humanity at this point. This is a great um, alternative. alternative. Yeah, this yeah. is coming out first from yeah. now on. Yeah, great I alternative. I don't blame you. This is great, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of fun. Um, definitely uh, go in, uh, like I say, uh, um, check out our, our Twitch page and also our YouTube uh, 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 page at, uh, you know, just look for Gamerhead Radio on both uh, Twitch TV and YouTube.com and um, you'll be able to find our video there of us uh, playing the game. Uh, we played it for about an hour. Uh, we played, I think, three games. Three mm-hmm. games. We played two games with the regular deck and then finally we played, which was which was the longest and most intense of the matches. Coincidentally, though, yeah. it had nothing yeah. to do with the not safe for work ness of it. No, it was, it was the fact there was a the third game and we finally got our, our, yeah, our, we got our ideas. Strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's the thing too. It's like you know, while we were playing, we were we were chatting with some of the people watching us on on, on the stream in the Twitch chat, and they were asking us. Um, you know, some people were commenting like, "Oh, I don't." You know, I, 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 I would do horrible at this game, and that's the thing. And I, I said this in the stream also. Um, I think we agree that this game is about one third strategy and two thirds just luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's 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 I, with with how the game describes itself as being. Like, you know, like learn it in two minutes, I, I think is absolutely right. Um, I think it's one of those easy to learn. And then I won't say difficult to master, but I will say it there. There is some mastery that can come into play there as far as how you uh, like it just. So, for example, if you manage to defuse an exploding kitten, you then can take that exploding kitten card and put it back into the deck where you choose to put it because you get to do this in secret. Like, so, you know where you put it, but you do like under the table or behind you. So the other players don't know, you know, so where you put that card back into the deck has strategy to it. Quite a bit of strategy too, as mm-hmm. it turned out, just based on the few games that we played. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't say I'd say it's quick to learn. I wouldn't say master because you'll never master this thing. This sure. is got like this is. I said in the stream as well. This thing's got that Uno, that Uno part too. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's three people when we were playing. Um, we all have our own idea of how it's supposed to go, and um, one move by anyone just completely fucks that up yep. and you have to start over again. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, let us know too if you guys enjoyed us covering a tabletop game. It's something that a handful of people over time have requested that we do, mm-hmm. but this is primarily a video game podcast. I guess it doesn't have to necessarily be a video game podcast, but this, it is, is, this is kind of a different thing for us to, to talk about a tabletop game, and I, I, I we had a lot of fun playing. Yeah, absolutely. About, so. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there may be a video game controller in our logo, but I've always I've always been open to the idea of Gamerhead covering all games. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
I mean, we'll do a tic-tac-toe episode one day, maybe. Who knows? Um, You're going down. <laughs> the only unfortunate side to covering Exploding Kittens and talking about it with you guys today and showing you how it was played is that you can't fucking buy it right now. So, <laughs> Actually, yeah, I'm just going to... Quickly, I'm going to pull up, the, um, pull up the, the, the website just to see what they say about that. Because last I saw, the last update I got from them regarding the Kickstarter is that they were still fulfilling um, you know, Kickstarters and pre-orders. Um, so they currently say that they are currently accepting uh, for their next batch of pre... Sorry, just kidding. They have a button that says pre-order now, but that button takes you to a waitlist email box. Um, so, so it's the Cards Against Humanity Syndrome right now. Basically, Throw yeah. your name on a list. We'll get a hold of you when we're ready for you. Yeah, so if you're interesting, um, definitely if go to... If you're interesting, I am not interesting. Oh, well, then you can't play the game. Oh, that's bullshit because I played it earlier. Fine, I take it back. If you're we'll green screen you out. <laughs> uh, if you're interested, you can go to explodingkittens.com and then uh, there's a box where you can pop in your email to reserve a copy as soon as they're ready to do their next run. Um, and this I, is this is the next Cards Against Humanity. I think I really do. I think this is going to be the next. I think this is bigger than trend. Cards Against Humanity. But the next based trend, on the Kickstarter, the next trend and thing. It's more accessible because Cards Against Humanity, like you really have to have the right group of people to play that. Like I could not play Cards Against Humanity with my father. I mean, like there's just no way he well, would. Playing it with strangers is hard too because it's a guessing game. If you know That's somebody true. well enough, you That's can kind of guess how to play yeah. it with them. This like. The regular version of the Exploding Kittens deck, I think you could play with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, your father would enjoy it, actually. I could see that, actually, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to test that very, yes, very yes, soon we'll do. Um, So, yeah, um, that's been our take on Exploding Kittens. Briefly, um, I, I, the, uh, the, the, the two other tabletop games that, um, that, uh, that, I'm inter- that I own and uh, therefore will be, be able to easily play, and um, you know, I'm sure these gentlemen have some of their own also. I know uh, um, some, some of our other B-Squatters have uh, offered some of their games up to play. But um, let us, guys, let us know if you're interested in um, any of us playing any of these other games. Um, I own copies of Munchkin, um, which I've played. I played, I, it was on New Year's Eve. I literally played half of a game one time. And I enjoyed it. Um, I just, for whatever, no, for no good reason whatsoever, I haven't just dug it back out to play it again. Um, so there's that. And then I also got a copy of the Bioshock board game, which Ooh. which looks far and away more complicated than either of these other things. I mean, there's there's more pieces in that that I've seen in some big Lego kits, and that's saying something. Um, but We should uh, probably do that, though, because that's a great tie-in. True. Yes, very true. Um, so uh, let us let us know if you're interested in seeing uh, seeing us play these, either just to watch us play them, or because you're curious and would like to know more about them, um, or if there's any other suggestions you have for games that uh, that you would like to see us uh, stream. Um, so that being said, unless you guys have anything else to throw into the conversation, no, I'm good, man. Exploding no. kittens, do it, do okay. it when you can. So let's see what uh, let's see what you guys had to say about uh, various card games, and uh, if you had any questions about exploding exploding kittens, that we can answer. Okay, so first off, um, Goat, I'm confused. You're back, and we have a voicemail. Um, yeah, yes. It's, uh, I'm not really sure what to expect here, so let's yeah. let's see who called in this week. Hey, Gamer, how are you? This is Matt Offering, no longer uh, associated with Activision. Oh. Oh. I'm just oh. here to pitch you my newest game idea, which can't uh, wait. very excited about. Uh, you've, you've heard of Smile Party, which is the <laughs> game where you are forced to smile in awkward situations, I'm here. I've got something great. Uh, people love games like Harvest Moon, where you, you know, uh, you you make crops. You know, you, you build a garden and build a farm. Uh, I've got the the newest game here that's going to just blow your socks off. It's called Weather Prepared, uh, and you are a middle-aged homeowner, and there is a storm coming, and you need to prepare your home for the oncoming storm. 
Uh, you got to do really cool things like, you know, take down your American flag so it doesn't blow away and, you know, put down the umbrella. Uh, if it's a nice day out, you got to close the window so the rain doesn't get in. Uh, that's about it so far. That's all I can think about when storm Life comes simulator. into my house. It's a good start. So that, that's it, weather prepared. Uh, we have some great DLC coming out, too. Uh, different outfits that you get to wear, like, you know, if it's you just went to a wedding that afternoon, you'd be in a tuxedo because you were a groomsman. Uh, or if you're female, bridesmaid. We like to, to hit as many audiences as possible. We want this game to be all-inclusive. So wasn't prepared. That's the newest game coming for me, uh, not associated with Activision. Thank you very much, and uh, look forward to Smile Party 2. we got a Kickstarter going oh, wow. very soon for that as oh, well. Oh, Jesus Christ, uh, man. It's, it's, it's like Smile Party, but twice the dose of happiness. Uh, that's it. Bye. Good God, Matt Elfrink, he's making the hits, man. He's just churning out hits on a conveyor belt. So uh, make sure to head over to uh, Kickstarter and look up Smile Party 2. Uh, uh, apparently, currently on Kickstarter. Um, I, I have not verified this, but if Matt says it, I'm sure it's true. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the words. Weather, weather prepared? Weather prepared, yeah. I, I, weather I, I, I mean, I'm already into that, uh, that Family Guy quest of stuff, so I mean, it'd be kind of cool to actually like, you know, have a real-life version of it. My God. Not being a... Homeowner. All right then, <laughs> Matt. And, I, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, man. If 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 the world is ready to to wrap their minds around these ideas, you're just you're such an innovator, man. It's crazy. Ahead of his time. To Way be sure. ahead of his time. Uh, so our mailbag question for the week was: We're going to stream us playing Exploding Kittens this Sunday. What questions do you have, and what other card games do you like? Uh, so our first response was from Dash Laramie. He says, Munchkin is where it's at as far as card games go. It's probably my favorite. Uh, Dash, I definitely need to try that again because I keep hearing great things about it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we gave it a fair shake on New Year's. Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, New Year's Eve is probably not the right mindset <laughs> slash venue. I, I think that's more of slash a card game night. Game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that to be correct. Um, Matt Elfring uh, responded and said, uh, "Exploding Kittens is way too basic. I liked it, but it's best, best played drunk. I get that. I understand. Yeah, that. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Currently, card game wise, I like Chew Cases of the FDA. Now that's C H E W capitalized, which John, you seem to recognize. So once, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, Chew is a, a um, it's a comic book series. Hmm. It's an Image Comics publication. Oh, okay. um, it's it's a humorous book. It's sort of semi humorous, I guess. Mostly humorous." Um, I, I don't know how to explain Chew to you if you've never read it. I just recommend it. It's really funny. It's very lighthearted, and it's got some really kind of crazy, strange ideas. Um, you know, back back in years back when people were concerned about like the uh, you know, bird flu, you know, avian flus of various types. Uh, the creators of this book uh, originally had this idea where the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. Um, became like a branch of government that regulates things the way that like the FBI would be looked at because people were selling like chicken and shit on the black market because it was illegal in bird flutes. That's not what the book is about. (laughs) That is a very loose backdrop of uh, themes that have to do with story. Very funny comic. Very smart. Very clever. Award-winning book. I recommend you pick it up and read it. It's very funny. Very charming. Uh, Matt goes on to say, um, and everything else he likes is board games. However, nothing beats a nice case of a, a nice game of Milborn. Um, I think my grandfather played Milborn. Um, I believe that's where I remember recognize that name from. Um, and then uh, Matt also responded. He said that he's super insulted that we're talking about card games and that he wasn't co-hosting. And um, I can neither confirm nor deny that his absence here had anything to do with him disapproving of my dramatic reading <laughs> of his uh, of, of his email a, a, a ways back there. Um, 
Uh, it's it's a coincidence, I assure you. Um, and so that is the uh, the extent of our uh, general mailbag responses. And then, of course, we have Songbird's email this week. Songbird says, Dear Tectotronicorn Goat and Fallon Flynn, mailbag answers, sadly, because I live in the middle of nowhere, I haven't played any of those card games that are suddenly taking up space in GameStop. Uh, so for those who have accumulated cards like Pokemon or etc., if you had to give up everything save for one card, which would you keep and why would that card mean so much to you? So, John, have you invested in any like collectible uh, trading card games um, like this? Yeah, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, age-wise, Pokemon was a little bit past my time in terms of of when it was huge. Mm-hmm. I would, I was on to other things, and um, so I never invested in Pokemon. I, I don't play Pokemon. I have no aversion to playing the Pokemon trading card game. Just never got to. It was just. It, flew by me yep i did play magic for a while i was actually paid to play magic the gathering i I, um was the um event organizer for a uh, now defunct um collectible like high-end collectible and trading card game shop that used to be in chicago called galactic force toys and games and uh they paid me to do uh they paid me to learn to play the game because I did not know how to play Magic. They paid me to learn how to play it so that they could prepare me to be the event organizer for their store Okay. for all the Friday Night Magic events that came in. So I, I was kind of big into Magic for a while there. And, um, I, you know, honestly, anybody anybody who plays Magic is always going to want, like, the Power 7 cards, like the big group of cards that highly breaks the game. They're not really illegal in, or they're not really legal in tournament play. And these cards fetch a disgusting amount of money, um, you know. So, or, so these are legitimate, real cards, but yes. they're they, the power seven. They call them, but they're determined to be unfair and are not allowed. In no, terms. it's just that when Magic was originally created, um, it, it like a lot of games that the longer they stay around and the more expansions that come from you have to be really careful how you balance them. And for anybody that knows how to play or plays Magic, or here's a better way to explain it for those of you who might play Hearthstone, because Hearthstone is basically they just aped magic and made it so you don't have to manage your mana. They just give you mana in Hearthstone. In magic, you have to manage it. Okay. Um, the, the more expansions come out for the game, the, the, the harder it is to balance because you have to go back over an entire catalog of, in magic's case, pressing 20 years of cards, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of cards, and make sure that not any one card in the Pantheon breaks whatever you're about to put out to a point where it's and some of them do you can't balance everything that well okay um so what they do is they just make certain games or certain cards over time you can't use them in tournament play you can play them in you know different formats that aren't tournament sanctioned but like dci standard like friday night magic you know any of the official uh rulings you can't play with those cards Hmm. power seven are highly sought after cards that are disgustingly ridiculously expensive i mean like we're talking hundreds thousands, thousands really? of dollars yeah wow expensive why are they so see that's curious to me that they're that they're that they're worth so much even though you can't use them in any because place because they're really early edition they're mint condition yeah. and not a lot of not a lot of them were printed in contrast so it's about to the, the rarity not magic, the magic a lot mm-hmm. of it okay. yeah uh but it is still about the usefulness for other formats cuz there's okay. a zillion formats in okay, magic, okay, okay. so you know that would I'd just say one of those or like maybe some painlands or something or any of the really popular 
um, you know, planeswalkers that, that always are worth money. So. Now, I'm just reminding you of the context of your questions. You're giving up every single other card. You're just holding on to this one. So are one you just hang, are you hanging on to this one card because you're going to use it to pay off your car someday? Like, what's Yeah, the... <laughs> that would be exactly what it is. Here you go. I will give up every other magic card I have for the most expensive of the Power 7 cards so that I can put my, fun, my son in school. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right, I accept that's, that. That's the most, like, lame, dadly answer possible, but that's where my head's at I, these days. And I accept it. Mm. Goat, do you have an answer for this one? Um, I don't know. I've never really. I mean, I've I've done I've done Yu-Gi-Oh, I've done Pokemon and stuff like that. But <clears throat> I don't like with that kind of stuff. I never really like got into it. Into it, I just buy a shit ton of stuff. I play the game, and then when I'm done with the game, like I gave all my Pokemon and my Yu-Gi-Oh cards to my younger brother. And I'm like, here, I don't use them anymore. I don't know what they were worth. Don't really care. I have that. I guess in my idea, it's the whole. Yeah, you can tell me it's worth five grand, but until you cut me a check, it's not worth five grand. Right, right. So I just, I, I, know, I probably wouldn't give up anything for any one card. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I don't, yeah, I, um, I, I did um, uh, participate in the Star Trek Next Generation and Star Wars trading card games um, when they were in their height. Um, until, uh, tragically, um, uh, see, I, I mean, okay. So anybody who's listening is, <laughs> as soon as I finish telling this little, this little, this the, recalling this memory, your most of your reactions are probably going to be like, of course that's what happened, but that but I'm side, still saying it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would bring my entire collection in binder and box form to school and I would sit there at school and I would organize them and I would catalog them and I would sort them and I would, you know, mess with them until, of course, one day they magically disappeared out of my backpack when I was away from it for whatever amount of time. Um, of course, that's what happened because these things were worth money and probably are still worth money. I don't know how much, but soul uh, crushing. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a sad day, but um, it was a life lesson. <laughs> well, it was. It was it was a hard lesson to learn. Unfortunately, um, people are people are assholes. Um but uh, yeah, <laughs> goat raises you his took hand. Them. Ah, uh, that's what it was. Yeah. No, no, the God, plot no. thickens. No, I could never do that to Charlie. His his world was upside down. That was the same week I lost a binder of CDs too. So don't feel bad. Oh yeah, somebody right. was on a rash of like I don't know if they needed meth or what, but they were taking one of these was things it down. has a tremendous value aftermarket value today, <laughs> and the other one maybe not so much. That's true. That's true. Um, so um, so I don't really have anything, uh, Songbird, to uh, to relate to. Um, uh, to, to relate to your question, um, I suppose in general, um, like I might keep, like if, if I had a card that like won me a match. See, that's the funny thing too, is I never even played with them. I didn't even play the game. I just collected the cards. <laughs> he was the only one who had them. Yeah, that's, yeah. well, yeah, that's true. I know people um, who do that with Pokemon. My nephew man. is like that. He collects Pokemon cards, never played the game. Yeah. I had an ex-girlfriend that used to collect Pokemon cards, never played the game. There is a, um, because of course there is, there is a My Little Pony trading card game. Um, there's actually two, uh, one of them unofficial. And um, uh, some might be surprised to learn that I have absolutely no interest in investing in them. No shit. Because giant money hole is all I see. Yeah, um, that's why I stopped playing Magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's an unofficial one called Twilight Sparkles Secret Ship Fic Folder. Um, Shit Fic Folder? Ship Fic, as in... Ship, oh, uh, shipping? Shipping, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and so no, the, I, I heard shit fic. <laughs> the concept, so John, since you're familiar with this term, mm-hmm. um, for those that aren't, um, sh- uh, shipping is the act um, of, or a pastime or practice, whatever you want to call it, of um, basically pairing up various characters in a, in a, in a universe, or, or in various universes, I suppose, in relationships. Um, and uh, for you know for fanfic or whatever other purpose. And so this game is based around the idea that uh, uh, that 
Twilight Sparkle, one of the main characters in My Little Pony, who is also a bookworm, um, has this folder of various... Um, now, I haven't played the game, so I might be getting this a little bit wrong, but basically she um, it, that you play out the game as if she's shipping various characters together. And it's supposed to be an incredibly insane amount of fun. And it's not a trading card game, to be specific. It is a, it's just like a normal playing card game in the same vein as like Exploding Kittens or something like that. But um, I know that they do keep on coming out with expansions and things like that. And so, again, I just, I just see Money Hole. Um, I'll wait till one of my friends has it, and I'll play it there. Goat, you're losing your shit over there. Are you okay? You, you give everybody this heartfelt story of like, I had all my Star Trek cards, I was robbed, and then you're like, I have no idea why I'll never get back into trading cards. <laughs> well, okay, that's fair. You're like, uh, because yeah. you'll be at work and you'll be sorting them and everything, and then they'll just disappear on you. You have this void now. That- Heartache, man. Heartache. Yeah, that's... Well, you 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 uh, you may have dug into my psyche a little bit there, goat. Well, done. I'd be the same way though. I'd be like, oh no, I learned. <laughs> way Watch to open that. a wound, goat. <laughs> uh, 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 Sombra goes on to ask. Um, uh, so, with augmented reality and virtual reality gaining momentum, why in the world hasn't hologram gaming? Like in the Yu-Gi-Oh! show, or I'm also going to throw in like the chess in Star Wars, um, mm-hmm. caught on any speed. Um, I'm going to say um, because people probably don't want to pay like, what, $200 for a figure. Um, I'm going to guess is, is one of the main reasons. And I um, can say that for a fact because that collectible shop that I worked in mm-hmm. did specialize in like import stuff, like really rare Japanese Transformers or like $300 Hot Toys collectible Batman statues and shit like that, full resin statues, and those were so hard to sell. So you're not wrong about that. People have a hard time investing in very expensive collectibles. There's a very specific mar- market for that. Yeah, some of those Hot Toys, though. My God, those things are oh, gorgeous. Oh, they're great. Like, so good. Um, yeah, but then they, they, those the, the guy who's spending three to four to $500 on a statue to sit in his shelf. And gather dust, yeah. Those are rare because most people find uh, a wife or uh, someone to tell them no. <laughs> or a husband. <laughs> yes. Or a husband. Yes. That's right. That's right. But someone to tell them no. A significant other who goes, nah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The fact that I survived spending $70 on a six, uh, uh, five-inch My Little Pony figure, the fact that I survived Michelle from that, um, well, well, that I'm, I don't want to talk about it. Um <laughs> He won't be doing it again, fellas. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, one can hope. Um, <laughs> and so finally, Songbird has a challenge for us. Um, oh uh, she says to take the deck of exploding kittens, draw one card, and give it an origin story based on the image. Um, I am, of course, going to use the Not Safe for Work deck for this task. Well, yeah, um, I mean, so, so, like there's uh, an option. Yep. So, okay, so I am, I figure we should each do one of these. Yeah. Um, because, of course, yes, and that the was box the opening is open. Deck. <laughs> uh, all right, so. The cats um, are out of the box. I have the not safe for work deck in my. So hand. we're just drawing a random, right? I, I'm just going to give it a quick shuffle. All right, quick shuffle. and there then we'll go. just uh, you can pull off the top or wherever you want. John, I'll hand the deck to you. And so Excellent. your task is to draw a card, and then you're inventing a quick uh, backstory for the picture oh, on the card. Man. This is going to be brutal. I'm handing the deck to Goat. Let's see what we got here. I'm going to take. Oh no! <laughs> I love it already. I'm taking card seventeen. There you go, oh, Charlie. Oh, man. <laughs> of all the things. So, oh. so John, uh, uh, okay, I have uh, I, uh, I have my card. Oh, that's... I'm so happy uh, I have this card. Because you picked the Not Safe for Work deck, I'm pretty sure that you inadvertently screwed all of us on this. Um, Which, it, it really should have been the Not Safe for Work deck, yeah, so I'm not yep. complaining. Yep. All right, so so once again, um, oh. Sombra's request is to t- to draw a card and then give it an origin story based on the image. So, John, what is your card? Uh, my <laughs> my card is a skip card, but uh, this skip card is one that we played during the game. Mm-hmm. 
sail away on your penis balloon. Be free, <laughs> little buddy. So, 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 so for 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 the for those who are uh, you know just uh, you know, listening and have not seen the picture on this card, oh uh, the image on the card is a tiny little man um, with a tiny it's actually, little. I don't know what this is. This almost looks like a. It's like what if you took Kirby and made it white and gave Kirby two sets of legs? That's what this thing looks like, but it has a dick <laughs> with a balloon tied to it. And it's floating away. And he is upside, upside down. down, suspended yeah. from said dick. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yes. So, so yeah. John, how did this uh, particular image come to be? Uh, this well, this particular character found his way to the unfortunately found his way to the end of a balloon uh, because if you fast forward a couple of years into the future, my son is playing with a balloon and a random stray cat. I think this is a cat uh, happened to come up to my son. And my son was trying to hug the cat while holding the balloon. And I'm not going to say that my son tied this uh, this balloon to this cat's penis, but maybe he tied this, this cat's <laughs> penis to the balloon, maybe the other way around. And uh, that's how this guy found his way up into the air, you know, is that uh, apparently I'm a terrible father. I'm going to, well, um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, regardless of as to the, the quality of the fathership of the character, John, in your story, <laughs> the fact that your story involved your son tying a penis to a uh, to a balloon uh, is a little concerning. I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. That's what I'm saying. But, uh, terrible father. You know? <laughs> I, know. So I weep for my son's future. He's not even a year old yet. This is this is what he has to look forward oh, to. Apparently, oh, oh, all right. Um, I'm sorry, son. S- someday, someday, years <laughs> down the road, um, I'm going to play him this episode, and um, I, I I look forward to seeing. My his God, reaction. it's too late. It's already been recorded. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, son. By that time, by that time, he'll already have shook his head and be like, oh, "I deal with them every day." Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably. He'd be true. like, "Dad, I already did that. <laughs> you showed me to you. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Fly free, little buddy. Indeed. Uh, go. What is your card? Uh, my my card is a, is a little um, pudgy fella like uh, like John's. Uh-huh. Um, they kind of remind me of the. Uh, <laughs> This would be horrible, and only Charlie's going to get this joke, but the uh, icons for your guy in ways. Oh, okay, all right. Um, but he's wearing, um, I'm going to say a Speedo, but I'm pretty sure it's a thong. Um, what kind and, of what kind of card is it? Uh, it's a nope card. It's a, I'm sorry? Nope. Oh, a nope card, card. okay. Which means uh, everything gets stopped. This yeah, so a it's, nope. a, it's, a, it's an action cancellation card. Yeah. And, uh, and what is the card called? Uh, like what's the title on the top of the card? Oh, there? it says "Deliver some nope on your jump rope." Oh God! Okay, and so I what's can't happening? even picture you jump roping. Okay, so it's a it's a little white dude, uh, like I was saying, in, in a speedo, and he's jump roping with his jump nope. Um, all right. Well, um, so go. I'm going to need you to explain how the situation came to be, and also why that particular character is in something that looks so incredibly uncomfortable. Well, I mean, that's pretty easy. He's obviously European. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's very, I'm going to say Italian descent because he's really into fitness. Dead. He jumped, okay. he jumps rope in a Speedo. Okay. So um, he was on his way to the gym slash pool. <laughs> and why not multitask of on your way there? Of Good um, God. And unfortunately, the pool was closed, so he just had to jump rope all day instead of putting his swim in his uh, workout. Okay, all right. Um, my my card has a particular sentimental attachment to me um, oh, because no. um, I, I've, I I told the same anecdote during the stream 
Um, so this is a favor of card. Of course you drew it. Um, and, uh, and the description on the card, and uh, I, I don't really need to tell you anything else about the image other than what I'm about to read to you. The description is, fall so deeply in love, it gives you both crazy diarrhea. <laughs> and um, it, it so happens that when I received my, my copy of it, now I swear to God, I swear I have witnesses in the room. You, you can trust the three of us however much you want. I did choose this card at random, however, however perfect it is. Um, but I, when I received my copy of Exploding Kittens, I, of course, was going through the card looking at the artwork. Um, there are a couple goat-related ones that, of course, I sent to Mr. Goat because that's what you do. Um, and uh, I came across this one, and of course, I took a picture of it, and I immediately sent it to Michelle, because I feel that we have... So, so really, I believe that the picture, that the, that the characters, um, as insane and googly-eyed as they are in this picture, um, with, the, um, with the unfortunate um, streams of brown liquid uh, be, ex, be, being sprayed... Um, this you is, you this can is, call it love duty. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, no, duty implies that there's solids involved. <laughs> Um, this is love sauce. Uh, this... <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> or a love stew, so like Denty Moore. I'm just gonna say that the characters on this card are, are me and Michelle, and and this is just one of those instances that has not happened yet. I, I can say that this has not happened in real life, but you know, as as we as we approach and proceed and progress through our golden years, um, I imagine that um, as tends to happen, you know, as as you proceed on in life you it you you sometimes have a tendency to lose control of your faculties My and um, i just expect that at some day this is going to be us that uh, that we are going to be in such a warm and loving embrace that we are going to warm. um spray uh liquid warm poop from our rectums i'm so glad that you've confirmed on this show that that is you and michelle because yep. one day when you have a child or your first technotrona born <laughs> I like it I am going to show that picture to mm-hmm. your child and say this is mommy and daddy <laughs> look at how much they love each other so it's okay you can tell my son the story because you know what I've got my own I've got a photo like photocopy of you and Michelle crapping on each other <laughs> No, no, in fairness, it's not. They're they're they're, they're, they're crapping in tandem. Yeah, they're yeah. There's no on each other. Somebody's going to. That's a different that type shit. of video. Yeah, <laughs> back to German Scheiße porn. Yikes, um, John. That is entirely fair, and I accept that, and uh, that's what I get. But um, and I don't. I haven't quite figured out how we're going to embarrass Goat unless we make him jump rope in a speedo. But I don't want to do that. Who's going to be embarrassed by that? Come over to my house on Thursday. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not falling into that trap. <laughs> Uh, so, Songbird, thank you so, so very much for your questions. That this, was uh, this wonderful. Week, um, uh, I, I could have not asked for better. Um, all right. And so, uh, having concluded the mailbag, John, please tell us, what do you have coming up in your future? Um, two weeks from this particular weekend here, I'm going to be in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota for Metacon. I've talked about it a couple times on the show. This is an AnimeCon.org convention. Um and uh, it's our first time back in Minneapolis since October last year where my brother was uh, ill and uh, unable to perform. So I performed as Mr. Agitator, which was super fucking weird. <laughs> uh, and it, it worked. And uh, the gentleman from Tonzin uh, filled in as the, uh, the B-Squad backup band for V-Surveillance. Uh, it was a fun time. Weird. Uh, I think back on it now. It feels like it was a weird dream. Um, so it'll be our first time back there. We're very excited for that. We've been in rehearsal for that. We may try to add some new material for that show if we can. Just going to depend on whether or not uh, the old girl's done cooking. 
Um, other than that, you know, we're working on new costume pieces. I made a new mask for the that it's the first time I'll be wearing it at this show, and maybe even a couple of other costume pieces. We're all adding extra pieces for this show. Um, so I don't know. That's uh, that's it. I start my my first round of college courses tomorrow. Please kill me. <laughs> um, and uh, that's it, man. You know, just uh, business as usual. I'll be uh, I'll be talking about some other games this coming week. Some new stuff I plan on playing. Excellent. Goat. Um, let's see. What do I got going on? Uh, home for the from the warped. Uh, other than that, let's see. Getting Codename Phoenix up and rolling. We're actually uh, starting to cut the album and stuff like that, and getting stuff ready to roll, hit rock and roll. Uh, a couple technical issues, couple scheduling issues has put us on a little bit of a delay, but we are definitely rolling out more social media and stuff like that within the next coming weeks and getting that pony up and running like to full capacity. So that's about all I got going on right now. I am not going to make a pony joke. Um, okay. And on, uh, on my side of things, um, I haven't plugged uh, our Facebook groups uh, in a couple episodes, so I'll take this opportunity to do that. Um, if you're on Facebook and would like to join some various groups to talk about some various things with uh, all or some of the members in this room, depending on the group, um, you can find the Players Club, um, which is a video game-centric group. Uh, has all three of us here as well as a bunch of other people, a uh, bunch of other members of other podcasts. Uh, you know, A lot of good discussions, good articles being posted there. Um, if you are a fan or user of any Android devices, you can look up Android for everyone. Uh, if you're a fan or user of iOS devices, you can look up Curiosity. Um, general geeky and computer-related stuff, you can head over to the mouse click, like C-L-I-Q-U-E, because we're clever. And uh, for beer-related stuff, you can look up Cobra, or the Chicagoland craft beer um, uh, addicts. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a smaller group, but uh, sometimes smaller group can be good because there's not a lot of noise. Just a, a, you know, a better discussion on fewer posts. Sometimes that's a good thing. Um, for my beer of the week, um, I would like to uh, recommend that if you are anywhere near a Binnie's in the United States, um, I believe uh, my, my, my understanding from what I'm seeing on social media seems to be that Binnie's is their exclusive distributor in the States. Um, you're going to want to look up uh, and, and search out any uh, offerings by the Federation of Beer, which, uh, if you haven't figured out by the title, they make Star Trek themed and related beers. And so today I'm recommending Klingon Warnog, which is a Roggen Dunkel. Um, the can is gorgeous. It has the uh, empire, uh, the logo of the Klingon Empire on it, uh, framed by a couple of Batleths. Um, it is officially licensed, of course, um, and uh, also appears to be um, uh, related to uh, KAG.org, but I forget what that stands for. It's Klingon uh, Assault Group, something like that. But um, uh, appears to be related to that because they're advertised on here. Beer is described on the can as being the spicy rye flavor of victory will pair perfectly with the heart of Targ on your day of honor. Uh, the smell of earth clove will pry you from your matlock and fill your next grail of Kales with Warnog, uh, which is almost exactly what we did tonight. Uh, yes, yes. With barbecued ribs and not Targ, but close enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, it's uh, definitely worth picking up. If you're a Star Trek fan and a fan of craft beer, especially of the German styles, um, you should find it. Um, there's a couple other ones that uh, that you can find. There's a um, uh, one that's themed after, um, it's a lager that's uh, themed after the Orion Slave Girls. Um, and then, which I have not located yet, I know that there is also a Vulcan Ale, um, which I am going to be very much on the lookout for. And even if you're not like a beer drinker, the artwork on the cans and stuff like that, well, we're just putting on your That's shelf. That's true. I'm taking my yep. home. I'm keeping yep. the if you're If you're a Trek fan, even if you yeah. don't like beer, um, it's worth looking for. So you can find those at Binnie's. Once again, um, it is uh, Klingon Warnog Rog and Dunkel by the Federation of Beer. Um, get it while you can, because I have a feeling it's going to be kind of a uh, limited exclusive, uh, you know, limited availability item. 
So for next week's episode, we are going to uh, tug on your heart and memory strings a little bit, and we're going to be pulling some of the forgotten and lost video game characters that used to be just so relevant and popular. Uh, Characters like, I'll just give one example to not spoil the future conversation, but like Crash Bandicoot, um, who was basically Sony's mascot, and now at this point is pretty much uh, just, you know, know, I'm sure that there's quite a a few current-gen gamers, like, who were newer that weren't, like, you know, gaming back then, who have no idea who that is. Wouldn't even be able to identify him. A forgotten relic of the gaming age. Yeah. So so we're going to be talking about um, who, who, who we miss and who we would like to maybe even see come back. You know, maybe, because there's some that might just be left well enough alone to, as to not ruin them. <laughs> Sonic. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, you know, we're, so we're going to be talking about ones that we miss and ones that uh, ones that we remember and that uh, you know were you know notable to to us for whatever reason. So our mailbag question to you is going to be: uh, What characters? Now try and stay away from the obvious ones because we're probably going to cover some of those. So uh, what uh, what video game characters that used to be like noteworthy or um, or mentionable in in whatever aspect you think is important? Um, do you remember? Do you miss? And or whether or not it's applicable, do you think should be brought back? I'd like to add too, even if it's not like a main character, like who do you miss personally? Like I want the abstract stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Throw whatever yeah. you got at us. Yeah. Yep. So that's our mailbag question to you for next week. Uh, with that being said, if you've liked what you heard, you can find us at GamerHeadRadio.com, at Facebook.com backslash GamerHeadRadio, at Google.com backslash plus GamerHeadRadio, and on Twitter at GamerHeadRadio, where I'm at T-E-K Charlie. Goat is at Sir Goatsworth. John is at the Fallon Flynn. Uh, you can call in and leave us a message at 94926Gamer. Uh, if you have any uh, excellent video game ideas like Mr. Elfring and you would like to share with us, please do so, um, because uh, we, we, we look forward to being the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the primary source for uh, you know, people to find out about these excellent upcoming titles. Uh, or you can write us an email at editors at GamerHeadRadio.com. Uh, you can download the official GamerHead Radio app on uh, for Android on Google Play or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, YouTube, uh, TuneIn, uh, Twitch, or with your podcast downloader of choice. Uh, once again, please keep an eye on our YouTube and Twitch accounts for um, the video of our uh, Exploding Kitten session, which should be up in short order. Um, all that being said, thank you very much for listening. This has been another episode of GamerHead Radio. That's running. Oh, did he? Yep, he's just running. Oh, he's got to run edits. Um, dick butt singing about dick butt, so Charlie can edit it right out of the show. <laughs> None of this will make it. None of this will make it into the show. In a world where Charlie runs the world, that's right. None or of he'll this will fuck be us edited. and put it in as an Easter egg at yeah. the end to revenge us. Yeah, whatever. Fucking Charlie. It's like God complex of editing. This is what happens when you leave, when you leave the audio running. When you're like, "Oh, I'll be right back." Oh, he does. Maybe this is part of his plan. He does it on purpose. He does it on purpose. He just lets us yap, and then he goes through it. I just wish that I was a like prepped and b crass enough to like fart into the microphone so that he could break your neck on that rolly chair trying to get it up there. Well, I I couldn't do that anyways. Look, I'm just not that (laughs) crass, but it it doesn't mean I don't think about it. Just because I don't, you know, it's the thought that I don't counts. do crass things doesn't mean I don't think it's crass the thought things. that counts. That's true.
I just don't like to. I don't like to ATM myself. Mm. Yes. Yes. Because I mean, I, if you fart into your own mic, you know, are physically ATMing wafting, yourself. Wafting, wafting. Because then you good. put your mouth into your mic. How do you? That answers the question of how a person can crop to dust themselves. Yes. Welcome back, Charlie. So first of all, here's the not safe for work deck. 